0: Welcome to the Christchurch podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about what is God's wrath. Our special guest is discipleship pastor Grant Caldwell. Grant, how are you doing today? Doing well. Welcome. Okay. So right out of the gate, I feel like we have to establish what is wrath? Wrath. So if you're listening to this
1: while driving, I'm going to help you out. I just Googled it to look up wrath. Wrath is extreme anger. Uh, So when we think of wrath, we think of this idea of just intense anger in response to wrongdoing. Uh, when we think of it though, we think of it in human terms specifically. We think of wrath as being uncontrolled or cruel or unloving or irrational or hot tempered. We think of just this idea of flying off the handle at someone and we bring those ideas into wrath. But at its bare, purest sense, wrath
0: is Intense anger or extreme anger. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So, as a precursor to this conversation, if you're new to the Bible or if you're reading it for perhaps the first time, we have done and noticed there's perhaps a difference in God's behavior or his attitude in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We want to go ahead and tell you on the front end that we have already discussed that at length in a previous podcast called How to Understand the Old Testament. So, if you're looking for that answer, we've already addressed that. But Moving into our conversation today, what is God's wrath? Is it an attribute of God? Yeah, so God's wrath, when we
1: think of it as intense anger or extreme anger, God's wrath is his righteous anger in response to sin, evil, and brokenness. Uh, John Stott talks about it this way. He says It's a steady, unrelenting, unremitting, uncompromising antagonism to evil in all its forms and manifestations. It is God's reaction to everything that is wrong in this world. Uh, the thing is, though, is that his wrath is not an attribute of God. The ra- God's wrath is an expression, uh, of his holiness and love in response to this se- sin and evil and brokenness. When you look at the scriptures, Old and New Testament, scripture says that God is holy. You look at Leviticus 19, Isaiah 6, how first Peter quotes that scripture says that God is love. You look at first John 4. It does not say that God is wrath. Wrath is not fundamental to his character. Wrath is a response that comes out of his love and holiness. It, res- it arises in response to the fallenness of this world, and it rises in response to sin. When we think of God in eternity, in perfection, in perfect communion, in himself, inside the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, wrath is not present. That is like love is present, holiness is present, wrath arises as a response to holiness and love being harmed. And so it's important to make that distinction that no, it's not an attribute of God, but it is a response to God when holiness, light, love is impacted by brokenness, sin, evil. God being holy and God being love can't be in contact with things that are in darkness. And what arises in response to that
0: is his wrath. By your own words that you just said and how you quoted scripture, God is love. So why does he have to be wrathful then?
1: Yeah, great question. So here's the thing. A God that exists without wrath is bad news. Um, Because if if God isn't wrathful in response to this stuff and sin and evilness and injustice does exist, uh, then what has to happen? We have to take that wrath on. So we are left as the ones that have to respond and fix evil and injustice in the world, which leads to escalation. See, only if we believe that God will right all wrongs will we accept that we don't have to right all wrongs. Only when we know that uh, everything sad becomes untrue will we accept that we don't have to be the ones that has to make everything sad untrue. Um, a God without wrath has no answer to the suffering and evil and injustice in the world. God in His holiness and in His love, has to respond towards these things with wrath. What hope do we have in this world in the face of injustice if there isn't judgment and wrath? What hope is there in the world if God is indifferent about the pains and evil that we face? So you just consider the sins, the injustices, the brokenness, all that's wrong in the world, all that's wrong in your city, all that's wrong in your life. like imagine a God without hatred towards those things that you have. And and we cease God being who he is. And so um wrath wrath is a part of his response, but it comes out of his holiness and his love. And to separate those two is 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 not possible.
0: So I want to dig in a little more on the concept of God is love and his wrath. Are those two ideas at odds that God is wrathful, but he is love? Yeah.
1: And and you know God God is love the the verse uh, that I just quoted earlier from 1 John 4 a lot of times in our culture we say we flip that around and say love is God and when love is God then yeah this idea of wrath is is really hard and you think that they would be at odds with each other and you really struggle with this conversation but again wrath is a response of his love it's not at odds with it it's a response of how much he loves us and how much he loves this creation. Tim Keller makes this point in Reason for God. He says all loving persons are sometimes filled with wrath, not just despite of, but because of their love. So we believe that wrath and love can't coexist. We say those those things are at odds with each other, but our own experiences show that that wrath has to arrive out of love. If someone you love, like your child, your spouse, your best friend, were were being harmed. That's not a response of indifference. If if you see them being harmed, if you see evil happening to them, even if you see them adding to this evil yourself, your heart responds, it flames up with anger because you love. The the cool indifference of I don't care if harm's gonna happen to that is not coming from love. And so love and wrath are not at odds with each other. Wrath is is a righteous response towards his love being harmed in some way.
0: When we review scripture we see multiple stories where God wipes out a city, where he sends plagues upon plagues to the Egyptians on behalf of Pharaoh. Those people had to suffer. It seems cruel for God to be so wrathful. How is it not?
1: Yeah, which which is another thing that it, you say, well it just seems cruel. When we think of wrath again, we think of this irrational short temper. Wrath, when we see God, it's always in response to sin, and it's always measured, and it's just. J.I. Packer makes this point in knowing God, that he says that God's wrath is always judicial. It's the wrath of the judge administering justice. The essence of God's action and wrath is to give people what they choose in all of its implications, nothing more, nothing less. And so, we have to remember that if there's a God that's holy and loving, if we sin, which Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If sin is departing from God's perfect plan into brokenness, his response isn't irrational and flying off the seat of the handle. His response is that of the judge in response to our sins of falling away from his perfect plan. Now, I mean, you you may say another thing of, well, I don't want the judge. I don't like the idea of the judge. I don't like to think of him... In that kind of personal right-wrong response. I would rather think of him like this just like power that you bump up against, that if you transgress, you're just gonna get shocked. And that's an idea that that C.S. Lewis talks about in letters to Malcolm. He's it's this count where he's talking with someone, and this idea of God's judgment, his wrath, and his anger gets brought up. And and Malcolm bring up brings up this idea and he says, I don't like the idea of a judge. I would rather think of God's wrath in terms of like a live electricity wire where I know that I'll get shocked if I mess it up, and that's that's how I should. That's how we should be better thinking of God's wrath. And Lewis has this line that he says, "My dear Malcolm, what do you suppose you have gained by substituting the image of a live wire for that of an angered majesty? You have shut us up all in despair, for the angry can forgive, and electricity can't. And so we have to remember with this wrath. There's this isn't this impersonal." shocking or abstract thing. There there is this judicial human responsibility and choice in relation to God's
0: holiness and love that's in play and we we play a role in it. I mean the the talk of forgiveness and love, there has to be a spin to this. Like, what is the good news of God's wrath? Yeah.
1: And I mean and with this, with the choice, like I mean, picking up last thing, last answer. It's not good news first. And we have to, we have to acknowledge that without wrath and judgment towards sin and brokenness and evil, what hope is there for the world? And then Tim Keller says this, but if that's true, what hope is there for me? Like he, he asked the question without judgment, what hope is there for the world? With judgment, what hope is there for me? Because we have to acknowledge and see that the sin and brokenness and evil in the world is not out there. It's in here. Solzhenitsyn talks about this idea of the line dividing good and evil it doesn't run through political parties or nations or races. It runs through every human heart. And so we know that it's here. If if it really is giving people what they choose and all its implications, I know what my heart chooses and I know the way that my heart is bent towards. I, I sing it in, come thou fountain, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Um... But then we look and see what Jesus does for us. Uh and we see what the gospel said for us. Um we see uh Second John two one and one and two. He says, He says, Little children, I write to you so that you will not sin, so that sin leads to wrath. So I'm he's writing to you so that you don't sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not just our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. And so we see God in the person of Jesus, uh, not being distanced from our sins and our brokenness and the evil of this world, but entering into it and taking it all on himself on the cross so that now when we think of the wrath of God, if we are in Christ, there's none of it left. It's all been taken by Christ. And that 1 John 2 verse says that right now, Jesus Christ the righteous is our advocate with the Father so that it would be unjust for him to pour wrath out on us. Jesus Christ, the righteous, is standing there to the Father saying, I have taken the penalty for this sin. You can't ask it of of Grant anymore. You can't ask it of Lance anymore. I have taken it all, which is good news. Like, that's the good news of the gospel. And that's where I think we get this conversation with wrath wrong, is that we believe that God's wrath is still towards us even though we're in Christ, when we mess up, we think that when we mess up, God's wrath is still left over. And like, there's this idea that, well, I better get it together because it's still hanging over me. And and scripture doesn't give that idea at, at all. It's It's gone. Christ is advocating right now for us to the father saying that none of that is in play anymore. Dane Ortlund talks about this idea in Gentle and Lowly, too. It's a longer quote, but it's it's worth saying in full. He says, To those who do belong to him, sins evoke holy longing, holy love, and holy tenderness. If you are a part of Christ's own body, your sins evoke his deepest heart, his compassion and pity. He takes part with you. That is, he's on your side. He sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. He hates sin, but he loves you. When God looks at his people's sinfulness, his transcendent holiness, his godness, his very divinity, that about God which makes him not us is what makes him unable to come down to his people in wrath. We tend to think that because he is God and not us, the fact that he is holy renders it all more certain that he will visit wrath on his sinful people. And once more, we are corrected. We are brought out from under our natural ways of creating God in our own image, and we allow God himself to tell us who he is. So we have to do that as the body of Christ to see that our human perceptions of wrath, that it's still just waiting there to come after us, is completely gone. God is advocating with us for us to the Father. He hates sin but loves us. He's not against you because of your sin. He's on your side with you in, in the face of
0: that. That's really great, Grant. Thanks for answering that. So on a day-to-day walk with Christ, how relevant is all this? So I think it's highly relevant.
1: I was actually, it's funny, I was actually looking this idea up to prepare for our podcast and found an article from our own Paul Lawler about this topic written in 2014 that I would highly recommend and hopefully can be linked in the show notes as well. But he talks about just this idea of As Wesleyans, we shouldn't be running from God's wrath. We should be embracing it uh, and calling ourselves back to his usage of John Wesley's usage of it. He talks about how he began countless meetings with this topic asking, do you desire to flee from the wrath to come and to be saved from your sins? And so I think with a clear understanding of wrath, how the good news of the gospel frees us from sin, how we have an advocate with the Father that is on our behalf I think we can answer that question cheerfully to a world that needs it. I mean, we have a world that is broken and falling, that we could all see it and agree with it. And I think it's important that we preach good news to it, not distancing ourselves from the realities of wrath painted in scripture, but bringing that fully into the picture to offer a full picture of God's holiness and wrath. He talks about in his blog, just this idea of an understanding of God's wrath magnifies a view of God's grace. And I think that's our picture to the world that needs it is a picture of a God that approaches holiness, love
0: with grace and and truth. And that's great. I appreciate you sharing today, Grant. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Lance.